As the first Indigenous person to gain a PhD from Sydney University, Dr Anne Patel Gray's experience of racism, both outside and inside the church, ignited a flame that drove her to pursue higher education with the aim of giving her people the words to use in their campaign for justice. Anne's firm faith in God keeps her hopeful for reconciliation and for an easier path for future generations of Indigenous people. In the garden of her Queensland home, Anne and I spoke about the inspiration of her mother, her Christian faith, and the faith that runs very deep in the First Nations people. I'm Carl Fays, and this is my interview with Dr. Anne Patel-Gray. So, Anne, where did you grow up? I grew up, uh, well, I was born in a little town called Winton, um, which is uh, northwest of uh, Longreach. And um, uh, from there, uh, when we were adolescents, my mother um, took us to Townsville. So then I uh, finished uh, my adolescence and, uh, of course, adulthood there. Why, why the move to Townsville? Uh, because my mother thought we would get a better education and access to better education, and she wanted um, us. Uh, you know, education was everything to her. Well, why? Why? This might sound like a dumb question, but mm. why was that important to her? Because I guess a lot of people coming from somewhere um, like that may not have felt that was important. Well, for her, she felt that you know being educated meant that it opened many doors. Mm. It provided us with the equality in which to be able to take our place within yeah. society um, and have the best of both worlds, both the cultural knowledge as well as the mainstream knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. What First Nations people are you a part of? Which... I'm from the Bidjara people, which is uh, a very large community that uh, is two hours west of Springshaw, Charleville, uh, goes all the way to Bark Alden, Amaral, and all the way back around. So the Carnarvon um, uh, Ranges and Gorges are uh, part of our country as well. Uh, God-given country, that place. Yeah. yeah, how do you connect with that now? Look, um, my country, I suppose what my mother endeared in me and what um, was probably my foundation was my cultural identity. Uh, because, you know, I am created the way the Creator intended me to be. And, and the Creator intended to give us language, land, song, ceremonies. So my mother reinforced that very much in our lives. And that, uh, you know, Christianity was so, is something new that came, uh, that we then needed to reflect upon uh, because we believed in, in the same creator, we believed in the same value system. So it wasn't difficult for us mm. to embrace the church. Yeah. So you saw God active before Christianity ever came to this nation? Oh gosh, yes, yeah. God was here a long time before the creator was here. Look at the beauty, the mm. bounty. Mm. Um, you know, it, the creator, Aboriginal people or First Nations people have had a relationship with the Creator stemming some 120,000 years. Yeah. You know, when we talk about the beginning of, of where life began for us, the Creator through our ancestors forged our creation and our humanity. And, um, you know, and the Bible in some way 
confirms that, as, as it says in Genesis 1, you know, that we are created in the image of the Creator, you know, and um, both men and women. So, you know, that's just a confirmation of our belief, of what we believe, and, um, and all that we've been taught to learn from creation, you know. How did Christianity become a part of your life? Oh, look, my mum was a staunch Christian woman, you know. Um, the minister out at Winton was a dear friend of the family, and uh, that was Reverend Jack Thomas. Um, of course, he's departed now, and his beautiful wife as well. And um, they formed a, a strong friendship with mum, and uh, which was the Methodist Church, and Oh gosh, I can remember the hours mum would spend baking for the church and, you know, uh, cleaning the church and, you know, that scent of that oil, you had to wipe everything, all the wood and we'd have to go along and clean. And um, so, you know, it, it was the love of, the, uh, of those two people yeah. that reflected, uh, you know, um, the, the Christian faith to us. Yeah. And um, they just, oh, they, they were the epitome of, of Christianity. Yeah. Um, so for your mum, there wasn't um, a conflict between her uh, indigenous background and Christian faith? No, not for her. Wow. No, because uh, I, I've always been asked the question over the years, you know, how can you profess to be both Christ, uh, Christian and Aboriginal and hold both uh, faith uh, together, well, one doesn't really conflict with the other. Colonisation is the conflicting element in yeah, this, yeah. not the faith yeah. or the belief. And um, and I think when we begin to understand that um, more so amongst our people, uh, more can our people then understand how Christianity was used as a tool of oppression um, uh, uh, through colonisation. And so therefore what we received and that the teaching was a tool to an end, a method to an end. It wasn't the true faith. Um, and what we're discovering now is that for ourselves. Yeah. For your mum, her experience early in those early days was positive. Was it always positive within the church for you? No. Um, and not for her either. Mm. Uh, we encountered a lot of racism. And um, as much as, you know, we try to, mum, mum tried to instill in us an understanding of, you know, where the journey that each of us are on and where we're at different stages. And some are more advanced, like Reverend Jack, and some aren't. Yeah. Um, therefore, you know, we've got to continue to extend grace uh, as grace has been extended to us, yeah. you know. Um, so that was a part of our life, but it, it just became more and more difficult um, for a lot of my brothers mm -hmm. and sisters who ended up leaving the church because they couldn't reconcile the, the racial hatred that emanated mm. within the practice of the church when they, although preached, you know, love thy neighbour and, um, you know, the Good Samaritan and all of these, um, you know, biblical stories, yet they, their behaviour contradicted it yeah. vastly. Uh, for me, um, 
it just made me stronger to want to um, challenge yeah. that teaching. Yeah, because it's that's a difficult tension to deal with, isn't mm. it? Over a long it period is. of time, to not just give it away and walk away. It is, because look, you get crucified by your own, you get crucified by the church, you know, um, you kind of often wonder, you know, why do you bother? Uh, but, you know, my, my love of, of the Creator is just so deep within me that uh, I can't turn my back and um, I've got to continue to do what I can um, for both my people, but also helping non-Indigenous people um, find within themselves a transformation where they can love our people yeah. as well, you know. You pursued education, what did you do? Oh, look, education. Uh, I did my theological studies um, at, at UTS and Noongalinga. I also went to Sydney University and Flinders University and did theological studies, ending up uh, with a PhD from Sydney University. And um, I wanted to, and the, what drove me to do that was I wanted to be able to have the language in which to debate mm. the church around um, their concept. Yep of our faith mm -hmm. um, and to be able to um, speak, I suppose, or bring a new narrative into that language, into yeah. that faith yeah. that expressed, um, you know, God's love, God's unity and what, and what uh, we've been called, a, a Christology that calls us to action, to justice. Mm. Uh, these things were really important to me and and as I said, I God blessed me along the way. I had incredible mentors, both black and white. Um, and uh, now I hope I'm mentoring yeah. um, you know the next generation as well. Was it was it the uh, passion of your mum that helped drive you forward because not many indigenous Australians have got that far in education, have they? No, I, you know what drove me, uh, my mum, when I decided to go on and do a higher education, uh, she was scared for me. Mm. Um, she really feared uh, for me in a way, uh, one that there was a part of her that felt that my expectations were too high. Mm -hmm. And there was a part of her that was fearful of me being crushed in this um, big, um, you know, system. And I just said to her, no, I, uh, you know, I, I want to do that. She loved education. My, my mother only had a third grade education because mm -hmm. under Queensland law, um, and uh, the Abor Queensland um, Aborigines Protection Act, she was only allowed a, a, a year three education. Mm. So from there, she taught herself how to read, how to do this and uh, manner of things. And uh, she had one of the best um, commands of English, um, comprehension, spelling, grammar, you know, 
and all self-taught. Mm -hmm. And um, she, uh, yeah, she had a love of learning and she wanted to instill that in us. Yeah. But what drove me was uh, in my secondary school, we were talking about our, our teacher asked, what did you want to do when you were leaving school? And I said, I wanted to, and I was the only Aboriginal student in the class. And I said, I wanted to go to university. And her, along with the students, mocked me and laughed at me wow. and wow. said, you know, black people only work with their hands. That'll never happen. So that spurred me, yeah. that stayed in my belly. Yeah. And it was like a little flame. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, I'm gonna prove you wrong. Yeah. So when people tell me what I can't do, then they just light a fire inside me because I am gonna go all the way to prove that I can do it. Was your mum around when you got your PhD? Yeah. What yeah. was that like for her? She was absolutely excited. Um, I didn't go to the graduation. I got it in absentia because the university wanted to make a big hoo-ha. I was the first Aboriginal to be graduating with a PhD from Sydney University. And I didn't think they'd had the, they'd earned the privilege or the right to mm. celebrate mm. my hard work because they made it hard. And the racism I encountered within that institution was horrific. Mm. So it wasn't because of them, it was in spite of them that I gained that PhD. Uh, and earned it, and um, and I thought, no, I'm I'm not going to have them now be hypocritical to have because they had all of these media that, that they wanted to uh, give attention to, but we had a, 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 a just a, a quite ceremony at home with my family and my professor and friends and to celebrate it, but uh, it was wonderful, absolutely yeah. wonderful. This podcast is brought to you by the Ministry of Olive Tree Media. Our vision is to create a library of resources that tell the story of the game-changing message of Jesus. This interview was recorded for our latest documentary, Faith Runs Deep. Our other award-winning series, Jesus the Game Changer and Towards Belief, plus many other small group, church and school series are available on our Watch Plus platform for a small monthly partnership. As you partner with us, you not only get access to compelling video content and interactive discussion guides, but you also support the creation of more resources that help share the gospel message. To become a partner and get access to Faith Runs Deep, visit olivetreemedia.com.au. What did you focus your PhD on? I focused my PhD on uh, the thesis. My studies were in uh, Aboriginal religion uh, or First Nation religion. So I was mm. looking at First Nation religions from all around the world, their spirituality, their culture, their reflections. And there were so many that were emerging at the mm. time um, in the 80s and, and uh, early 90s. And um, I then uh, wrote my thesis on documenting the racism that uh, permeated this country mm -hmm. at every levels. And um, I did it as, you know, for me, I needed to, you know, um, how would you say, 
vent mm-hmm. uh, all of that frustration and anger and how it affected my life because I wanted to be free from it. But I wanted our people to understand or give them the language in which mm-hmm. to articulate what, was, what they were experiencing. Uh, because quite often my, uh, my people can't articulate mm. what they're experiencing because racism now is, is, is a lot more subtle. Yeah. It's a lot more velvet glove, but mm. its, um, its impact is not any less yeah. than uh, full on. And um, so, yeah, I went through government. Uh, as I said, it was one of the, the best resources resourced um, thesis with over 300 um, uh, original footnotes uh, from, well, footnotes from original sources, not wow. secondary sources. Wow. And um, I um, then got it published overseas. Uh, Oxford Press picked it up. The uh, Academy of Religion for America uh, published it as part mm-hmm. of their um, series. And then, um, yeah, John Howard wouldn't allow it into the country. Mm, really? He wouldn't allow it to be sold here. So you still can only get it online. Okay. It's not allowed to be in any bookstores. Nobody. Mm. Wow. Did it help you personally when you finished it? Was it was it some... cathartic. Yeah? It was the best thing I ever did. <laughs> <laughs> it was cathartic. I, I just felt released from it, you know, because wow. I had written it. I could leave it, let it go now yeah. in the sense that it was done, it was done. How are you uh, different now? This is an yeah. odd question. But how are you different now having done that than you were, say, before you started? Oh, look, I was a real angry young, young female. Uh, angry in the sense of um, hungry for justice, you know? Mm. And calling on uh, and identifying and calling out injustices uh, that were being perpetuated against my people. Uh, Today, I would hope, you know, I don't think I'm less zealous, uh, but uh, I think I have a greater, um, I would hope, a greater wisdom and probably a deeper understanding of extending grace to others yeah, and yeah. and understanding that we're all not perfect and uh, we make mistakes and uh, we're learning together and there are those that are wanting to ju- take that journey with us and yeah. uh, knowing that they're going to make mistakes yeah. and um, you know we've got to be able to um, create a space where that can happen where people, you know, can be forgiven for those yeah. little mistakes. Um, so what do you think is the difference between being zealous and being angry? Uh, well, you know, th- what's interesting, uh, what I found in Australia, when a black woman is zealous, passionate uh, about a topic, uh, we're quite often tagged as being angry mm. and it's quite a difference yeah. and um, and quite often even though it was my passion and commitment and 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 being zealous 
I had a lot of people refer to me as a, this angry black woman. Mm. And I was far from being angry. I, I was trying to share with people the passion uh, about, you know, what can be found in our culture, but passion about, you know, what God has called us to be, you know, um, and, and how we demonstrating that yeah. uh, in our lives. And, yeah. you know, uh, for so many Christians that uh, I grew up with uh, within the church, Sunday, they put on their Sunday best and went to church and then forgot all about it from there on. You yeah. know, once Sunday was over, they went back to a life of, Yep. I don't know, being mean, nasty. Their the faith never penetrated mm. Mm. how they live their life. It didn't yep. dictate that. Yep. We often think about that in terms of morals, don't we? Mm. You're talking about it in terms of values. Yeah. 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 So that's different because, you know, for Aboriginal people and we, what's important for us is um, in a person is your character. Mm because I can't change your character. If you're a good person, you have morals, you have values, um, you know, integrity, compassion, love, whatever. Those are the things that are important to us. Yeah. And uh, everything else I can teach you, you know, technology, all of that. But within the Western world, it's the knowledge you come with. Yep that's more important to them rather than your character. Mm. Mm. And, and this is, um, you know, I think what Jesus and, uh, reflects on about people's character constantly, not about who they are, like, for, uh, uh, like uh, we see in, in, in uh, Mary Magdalene and all of this, yep. you know, he could see through these women's profession to their heart of who they are. Yeah. And yeah. that to me is the most important thing, yeah. you know? So yeah, maybe we need to look through different eyes. Yeah. Mm. Look, I assume we've come a fair, a fair way as a nation, but there's a long way to go for Indigenous people. Oh gosh, yeah. But what, do you, what do you see as the next steps? What would you like to see? Look, the next steps for me is about how we build capacity of our people to, um, you know, obtain their aspirations. World Vision for me at the moment is that vehicle because we're about community development. Uh, we're not about service delivery. Mm. So when we partner with a community or a community asks us, more importantly, to partner with them, we then put them in the driver's seat and they tell us, what they want mm. uh, for their children, for their uh, future, and uh, what they want to lay out. We then bring the know-how and the resources and train the community up. We share that knowledge, that skill set, that ability with them so that they in, in future will be able to determine where they want to go without us. Mm, mm. Um, and I think that's probably the most important thing that we can do at this point yeah. in time is build that capacity and capability yeah. because then and only then can our people have a future. Yeah. Is it hard for those uh, Indigenous communities you're working with to have a clear vision for what they can be? 
you'd be surprised. Uh, <laughs> they know exactly what they want, mm. uh, but nobody's ever listened. Mm. And that's the sad reality. Yeah. They have tried to tell government repeatedly, um, you know, throughout the years, what they need in their community, what they want to see happen in their communities, but nobody's listened. So here, this is the way we work, World Vision Works is so empowering mm. to the community because they do not come to us as empty vessels. They bring uh, generational knowledge, spirituality, culture, you know, uh, relationship to environment, uh, an integrity, a, a law system, a kinship system uh, that, you know, we can harness and learn from. We bring merely technology, um, education. Uh, we bring structures and systems that, you know, is required in the reporting requirements of government funding or donors and things like that. So, um, you know, when we come in and they see we come with respect and we value who they are, their response is so open. And uh, as I said, they know exactly what they want for their community. They just want to have the opportunity to be the drivers to obtain what they want. In, in all of that, where is the church a positive influence? Look, for me, the church is, is in the witness of uh, how we engage, that respect that we give, the way we work with our community. That, that's church, that's Christology. That's what we're called to do. We're called to be, you know, through our faith to action. And our faith is in the witness of our action. I don't have to sit and evangelize and talk about Jesus Christ and what Christ has done for me because I live it, I do it. Yeah. And quite often around those fire nights, you know, when you're sitting around the fire, the conversation will come there and they'll say, what makes you different? Why are you different? And that's when the door opens for me to talk about my faith and what brings me to this place and what I believe in. So, and, and when that happens, they're open? Oh gosh, yes. Look, our people have been all over this country missionized, mm. Christianized. Uh, they know their Bible inside and out. They can quote you verse to verse and uh, not even have read it for years. Uh, and they can have very deep theological conversations. But what they do do is they have it in relation to their own spirituality and belief system. And because remember, the creator was there before whitefellas even come here. Mm. So they're marrying up two conversations now. Yep. They look for what the similarities are between their law and what the Creator's given and what Christianity or the biblical narratives say into that. So what do you think would help bring reconciliation? Look, that is something I think we've grappled with for a long, long time um, over the years. For me, the only way reconciliation can be achieved is through education. 
We've got to be able to talk about our history, warts and all, you know, because it belongs to both of us, not just to us, yeah. but to you as well. And, you know, while we pretend it didn't happen uh, or we want to gloss over it, um, then, you know, how can we speak truth mm. into the here and now? At the moment, you know, we've got uh, Victoria and NT and, and now this Queensland government will be looking at it as well, the truth commissions, mm. you know, um, where we start sharing that truth. And, you know, it, it's not an easy story mm. from either side to hear, but it's one we've inherited. We've got to remember that. We've mm. inherited this story, this history. And uh, many of us have never, we haven't done the acts, mm. but we have benefited. Mm. Mainstream has benefited from that history. And uh, we have white privilege. We, we have, you know, uh, affluence, we have power, we have domination, we have all of these things that are born out of that history. And if we're going to be truly reconciled, then how do we then begin to address the injustice of that history and set the record straight? Um, pay restitution, give back, balance share, you know, share the power, the decision making, respect a, a culture that is so ancient. You know, I often marvel at uh, Australia because there is no country in the world that can say we have the oldest living culture mm. in the world mm. and yet we don't value it yeah. Yeah. and that's what breaks my heart yeah. and um, you know it's when we can begin to see the treasure that we have and the knowledge and the wisdom that has come before us that we could learn from then that's when transformation happens. And for me, um, you know, for church, for Christian people, for us who all profess our faith in Jesus Christ and have all been, you know, transformed as a result of that through grace, then... I can't understand why we're not at the forefront mm. of this conversation. Are you hopeful? I have to be. Um, you know, they, they, we struggle with that constantly. But, you know, it, it's, it's my God that keeps me, mm. uh, it's my faith that keeps me, um, you know, faithful and, and hopeful. Um, I think if I lost that, then I would give up. Mm. And. Um, what we're seeing though, you know, for uh, First Nation people is we have seen a lot of our children give up mm -hmm. and the high rate of suicide and that really just breaks us. Mm -hmm. um, so it, for adults like myself, it just makes me want to work harder and, um, and have those meaningful conversations with the church that you know this is a shared history but we have to learn from it in order to transform our future mm. so you know let's be a part of the solution rather than avoid yeah. uh, the conversation altogether because it's painful for yeah. both of us mm.
This series is called Faith Runs Deep. How do you see faith running deep in Australia? Look, there is a, a faith in this country that is born within the First Nations peoples. It is so deep, it, 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 it is in the soil, it's in every living thing uh, that surrounds us. It permeates our world and uh, there's nothing that is richer than that. And uh, that's what we want Australia to understand what they have available to them is a, a richness of faith and belief that uh, our people would freely share with them mm. and uh, somebody said to me once you know I've never met people uh, like for like the Aboriginal people who we've done so much to and yet they're the first ones to extend the hand of grace and mm. forgiveness to mm. us and I said well that just speaks volumes about the depth of our faith mm. and um, there's nothing more uh, real than First Nation faith. Thank you for joining me on this podcast as I unearth stories of faith in Australia. To watch the full Faith Runs Deep series and all Olive Tree Media content, go to olivetreemedia.com.au and sign up to the Watch Plus platform and partner with us today.